Hello, just a quick bit before this week's episode to let you know that we have a Patreon you can subscribe to if you like what we're doing here and you want more of it. You probably already knew that. We don't stop going on about it. What you didn't know is that you can currently get a little free trial so you know exactly what you'd get as part of your subscription. You can head to patreon.com slash whatismusicpod or follow the link in the show notes to get your first seven days free. All you need to do is pick which tier you'd like a free trial of. The Biggest Mates tier is the one that has all the extras in it. And then for seven days, you are free to listen to any episode we've released in the last six months. You can cancel any time or just leave the subscription rolling if you like what you find. It's charged monthly. And during any month, as part of that Biggest Mates tier, you'll get ad-free episodes of this show every Monday. You'll get a brand new episode of our new Manic Street Preacher show every month. Two episodes every month of The Ultimate Playlist, our themed playlist show, where we talk about all kinds of different music, different artists, different genres, different eras, and one or two bonus episodes every month, depending on the length of the month. That's two episodes every week. There's also other tiers to trial. One that is just the Manic Show and ad-free What Is Music episodes, and another that is just ad-free What Is Music episodes. But hey, if the first seven days are free, why not try a bit of everything? Plus, all tiers include access to the exclusive subscriber-only Discord where we discuss the shows, the bands we've covered, various music topics, and loads of other stuff, including some games that the friendly community have devised themselves. So head on over to our Patreon page now to claim your free seven-day trial. Go to patreon.com slash whatismusicpod or follow the link in our show notes. See you there. I like to have a silent leg joint on my chocolate bar. I have, I, I have no idea what that Muted is. knee on the bounty. Don't know what that means. Don't no, get it. Don't get that one. M- muted knee on the bounty. On the bounty. I still don't get I know. Yeah, mutiny knee on the bounty. Yeah. What does that mean? Oh, a sentence. It's like a book or something, isn't it? Oh. <laughs> We had a tier. It's a film. It's a film. Someone made someone made one of those tier lists where no S A B C D E F. That's not the order of the alphabet. British British chocolate standards. Yeah, and it was tier, tier, and it led to some hearty debate, as you'd as you'd imagine. As you would Universal imagine. agreement that the that the standard dairy milk is 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 elite tier. Yeah, chocolate. it is. Yeah, no, yeah. boring. Yeah, is, yeah, oh, yeah. you absolute. Get twat. a little bit of the the dime crunchy stuff in there. I, I'd even take Ooh. a fruit and nut over the uh, over the the plain dairy. Well, milk. there was a lot of debate around nut based, nut and fruit based. Like I put a picnic way up there. Love a picnic. <laughs> It's real low oh, for me, I mate. Even and that got some really low rankings, but then for steep put bounty at like S tier. Love it. Oh, oh really? Lucas hates it. Oh no, what no. I was gonna say I was gonna say it's like the podcast uh, dynamic, but nah, it's not. Was this what you wanted to talk I should, about? I should be in the middle. No, I'll save this for another intro, I reckon. Okay, My cool. Bit. Great. Guys, yeah. Next guys. episode, just know that the intro pre planned. I think okay. Steve, Steve's got one as well. I think what <laughs> I think we, we've got two intros ready to go now. Uh, I'm going to derail all of them. Hello and welcome to What Is Music, a music podcast about music. We are a podcast that focuses on discographies in their entirety, 
doing deep dives on one artist at a time. Uh, you join us in season four, which is called Is It Rad in Your Head? A critical analysis of the history, cultural impact and music of Radiohead. We're going through their entire career, album by album, track by track, and we're asking questions like, does context matter when you're listening to music? Does knowing the history of an artist affect your appreciation of their output? And this season we are, of course, asking, is it rad in your head? And just to be clear, we're asking, is it rad in your head in regards to the band Radiohead? Not, is it rad in your head in regards to this, the fourth season of our podcast, which is called, is it rad in your head? And which is now in your head. I'm Adam Scott Glasspool. I enjoy most music. I love the artistry, the emotion, also the context that surrounds music. With me, as always, is someone who said they don't really care about art or talking about art, doesn't often relate personally to music, and enjoys a limited amount of music. It's Lucas Way. Hello. <laughs> Great. <laughs> In the middle of that, we have someone who can appreciate context and art and subject matter, but it's just learning how to convey that in the form of words and enjoys a middling amount of music. It's Steve Murphy. Do it. Hi, welcome back. Thank you, for- Thank you very much. So I did, like... I did like a little Britain voice then. Yeah. It was terrible. It wasn't good. I mean, yeah. No, but it was a good it was a good rendition of the little Britain voice, but the little Britain itself is terrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you like it when it was originally on? Uh, I bet I did because I was probably about 13. Mm. Yeah. I think I liked the first episode. Yeah, I enjoyed the first episode and then they did that episode over and over again. I came, into school. The- I came into school and said, Steve, you've got to see this new programme, because Steve hadn't seen the first episode. And I went, come around to my house next Monday when the second one's on. Because you couldn't just watch stuff on demand back then, guys. You just couldn't do it. Couldn't and do I it. said, you've got to come around and watch the second episode. Second episode was absolutely shite. And Steve was like, why did you recommend me this? Mm, yep. <laughs> they're, ma- they're making a new show. Oh, yeah. That's going to be a problem, isn't it, I reckon? Is it going to be on the There's- same channel as John Cleese's Faulty Towers? Well, they said you it would be now, a, a have you, have spiritual you heard also- continuation of Come Fly With Me, the one where they all did blackface. So. <laughs> have you heard they're also doing a now a blackadder without Rowan, Rowan Atkinson. Atkinson? Yeah. Well, it's just, just We're living in alone. the best timeline. Everything is great. But Richard <laughs> Curtis is involved in that. So what is the impetus for him wanting to do that? Money. Money. <laughs> okay, what's Rowan Atkinson's impetus for not wanting to Doesn't do that? Doesn't need the money. Because I wouldn't mind. <laughs> I don't actually have a problem. If they turned around and said, we're making a Blackadder season five, I wouldn't be against that. Yeah, it'd be fine. I think it'd be fine. Yeah. With Rowan Atkinson, without him... Fuck off! But I think I think Rod Atkinson is just can see like there's no need for this. There's no way it could possibly be better or as good. So I'm going to give it a swerve. Look, anyway, guys, we're not here to talk about classic British sitcoms and whether or not they're going to get remade. Because like, we're come going fly through with me. the entire discography <laughs> of Paul Shaper's Radiohead, uh, oh. and today we're going to explore, we're going to discuss, we're going to dissect the band's ninth and most recent and final studio album, A Moon Shaped pool in order to get a little closer to answering the question what is music guys we've done this a long time now over three years we're in our fourth year our fourth season what is music to you alphabetical track listings mm. whoa really that's a shame i was i was i was looking forward to blowing lucas's mind with that a little bit later on <laughs> but it's little face look i know whoa <laughs> Just scrolling down, still reading. He's still reading through them. Oh, good. <laughs> Got to the end. And the name of the album even begins with an A, so that's the start yep, as well. Indeed. That's good. Uh, now, uh, okay. I, you, I didn't answer. Oh, I'm so yeah, come sorry. on. Notes in a row. Oh, yeah, good. Uh, with all these like side projects, solo albums, soundtracks flying around that we've been doing recently, difficult to keep track of the band, isn't it? Who feels the most confident 
in catching us I up. I got it. I got it. Lucas has I got, got it. it. He's got it. I got it. He's got my it. man. This is, Lucas is, this is Lucas's time to shine. They did. Yeah. We left them with King of Limbs. Doesn't sound confident, does he? We left them after a King of Limbs. We left the band, yeah. We've done episodes since then. Yeah, but not on... Not on... Radiohead. Radiohead. Yeah, we have, yeah. Uh, They went downstairs for a little bit, didn't they? In the basement. That's commentaries. No one cares about stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true if you look at the numbers. (laughs) 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 They, since we've left them, right, I reckon Johnny Greenwood has done uh, There Will Be Blood. Okay, that was before in Rainbows. Okay, right, we're gonna we're gonna stop. <laughs> okay, Steve, you go, mate. You go. <laughs> Ed went to Brazil. Ed went to Brazil. Johnny Greenwood did his. We thing. can't talk about their holiday J- plans. Junin, Junin, Junin. Yep. Phil released another album. Phil released another album. Tom released two albums. Did Atoms Tom released two albums. Colin's yeah, also there. The thing is, did we do Atoms of Peace and everything since we've done? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh fuck hell. Uh, Johnny Ree Shunan in 2015 is the most recent thing, but we've got to rewind from that a little bit. And we're, we're going to rewind because when we cover an album, we like to take into account the recording sessions, what kind of state the band was in, and the context surrounding that specific record, which does overlap with some of the other stuff. So we're going to rewind, and we're going to rewind to 4.51 billion years ago, okay? Mm-hmm. Around that time... Roughly. Roughly. A very nascent Earth collided with a hypothesized Mars-sized planet called Theia. Yeah, and this made the Earth much smaller and left various parts of debris floating around it. One of the largest parts of this debris formed over time to become Earth's largest natural satellite, which we call the Moon, don't we? Adam, is the Moon considered to be made out of cheese because it's actually made out of debris? It's good. It's not bad. It's good. It's not bad. I like it. It's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think you've cracked because it. Because him to have thought about that, he either thought about that on the spot, which would be very good. Yeah. Or if he pre-planned it, he must have known that you were going to talk about the moon being an, uh, a splinter of the earth, like debris, mm. to know to make that joke in advance. So he's either planned very well, yeah. or he's thought of that on the spot, which is very good. Thanks, and man. it sort of answers my next question, which yeah. is, are you guys aware of the moon? <laughs> Familiar. <laughs> I'm familiar. I'm, you said a minute ago the Earth's uh, largest na- natural satellite. Yeah. yeah. Largest satellite full stop, I reckon. Well, no, but, uh, no, but eat, eat, forget the... Uh, eat, remove the unnatural satellites. Yeah. The unnatural isn't satellite. satellites. Isn't it our only satellite? Isn't there, is, there, is there any other satellites apart from the moon? All oh, the other satellites, yeah. The, you know, the, like the man-made uh, un- ones. No, no, yeah, but natural satellites. Yeah, okay. it's the largest natural yes. satellite. I think yeah. there's got to be some little satellite? bits of shit floating around, isn't there? Have you not seen the QI episodes where they hypothesise there's like 42 moons? Well, that's oh. bollocks. Oh, okay. It's bollocks. It's bollocks. It's bollocks. <laughs> it's bollocks. <laughs> to be fair, knowing <laughs> where the QI. Are, where are they? <laughs> where are they then? <laughs> that's bollocks. Well, I can't see them. They don't exist. Where are they then? Knowing QI, on the next episode, they probably said, oh, actually, that's not true anymore. It's bollocks. How do you feel about the moon? That's nice. I'm, isn't a- it? I'm asking questions like I'm padding for time, but we've got so much to fit in. Yeah. Like, I, how I, do you feel about the moon? I guess love it. I enjoy the moon. Love it. I enjoy, I enjoy it. I think it looks cool. It looks nice. I like this. I like the aesthetic of the moon. Yeah, I agree. I'm a, I'm a monochrome boy, yeah. so I oh. like a monochrome moon. Mm. Yep. Uh, I wouldn't want to go there personally. I'd love to go to the moon. It Not looks my vibe. boring. Not my vibe. <laughs> but also, is the is the setting for some of my favorite movies? Moon, and by that I mean 
none of my favorite movies. Uh, it's <laughs> not the setting for one of my favorite movies. It's uh, because they don't make it so, to the moon in Apollo thirteen. That's true, but it's close by, isn't it? And also, it's not the setting though. Is one it? of your favorite movies is also the DreamWorks logo, mm-hmm. but it's in that, isn't uh, it? Well, have you seen the new DreamWorks logo? <laughs> no, not anymore. The DreamWorks, the new DreamWorks they like got rid intro, of them, right? They cancelled it. Mate, oh, mate, it's awful. It's like, look at all the brands we own, and it like pans oh, past the Marvel, Shrek. the Marvel thing. Yeah, great, cool. Yeah, love it, love it. Yeah, it's just like, look at all our IP, and it ends with like, like the real hero shot no. of Shrek and Fiona Even- and Donkey. Like, they're the peak of the brand. Even DreamWorks <laughs> has gone woke. No, it's, that's, that not what, that's not what. What's that mean? I don't know what woke means. I'm just kind of okay. crying through the episode. <laughs> okay, well, neither does right. neither does Donald Trump. I literally just saw. Uh, he was on, on Truth. Uh, <laughs> on simple politics that with nicola sturgeon uh resigning today just to date this episode yeah yep. uh that trump said good riddance to failed woke extremist nicola sturgeon of scotland anyway in terms <laughs> of radiohead oh yeah we're rewinding to september 2014 and i've talked about this before but they've they're just they're just very quiet and secretive I had a bad time researching this episode, okay? Because it's... There's nothing. Oh, there's just nothing. Like, so many artists today, like, have their whole lives followed, and Radiohead have just completely avoided that. There's no interviews. Like, that obviously helps them keep out of the public eye. They're not photographed anywhere. You don't get red carpet soundbite interviews, like, despite them actually attending events like that. They just keep themselves out of the press, and the only stuff that really gets said about them in the press is through the lens of other artists who are engaged in that sort of constant media cycle, soundbite interview, clickbait kind of thing. What, but people that are affiliated with Radiohead? And no, they're not really affiliated. Do you want to talk about Kanye West and Miley Cyrus? So why would they be talking about Radiohead? Well, let's find out. Kanye West... <laughs> Miley Cyrus, both stories from Grammys 2009 that made their way into the press like sometime after, like the Kanye West thing was like came out like a decade after it happened. Miley Cyrus was on the record as saying, Radiohead are the reason I love music. I told my manager, pull as many strings as possible so that I can meet them backstage. Because of course, you know, they performed at that year's Grammys and they won alternative album of the year for In Rainbows 2. Her manager asked, said Miley's really obsessed, and Radiohead were like, oh, we don't really do that. So Miley Cyrus then made these comments in the press that were like, stupid Radiohead, I'm going to ruin them. Can you believe they refused to see me? <laughs> and that's kind of like the only... And then Radiohead were like... <laughs> what? Right, well, Radiohead did have a response. Anyway, that same night, Kanye West approached Tom York and tells Tom York how influenced he was by Radiohead's work uh, and by Tom's work on The Eraser... He said that he was very inspired by Radiohead creatively, and Tom York just kind of smiled at him and then walked away from Kanye West. Yeah. Which now, looking back, good he shout. Knew. Yeah, good he shout. Knew. Yeah, he um, could sense it. He could see the swastikas behind his eyes. <laughs> none of the stories like that about Radiohead have ever come from Radiohead. We only know that Tom York has turned down Paul McCartney numerous times because McCartney has talked about it, and he's talked Why? about. Now that one is surprising actually, because you would have thought Tom York would want to meet Paul McCartney. He just doesn't give a fuck. McCartney wanted to collaborate with him and write a song together, and Tom was like, nah, don't think so, mate. <laughs> <laughs> how did Paul McCartney ask him, Adam? How did he ask Tom York? Oh, I was just yeah, wondering if you wanted to write a tune with me, you know. 
Uh, <laughs> it's good. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. But Lucas, sometimes Radiohead do respond. Tom has made like a few snide comments about Kanye, kind of on the same level that he has with Muse. And when the Miley Cyrus stuff came out, Radiohead issued a statement that was simply, "When Miley grows up, she'll learn not to have such a sense of entitlement." Yeah, which is Fair. savage. <laughs> Although Tom did end a blog around that time by saying they were going on tour and he said, wish us a safe journey if you still like us and aren't one of the people I've offended by doing nothing. Um, (laughs) Interestingly, though, while he was at Carnival in Brazil in 2016, Ed O'Brien bonded with Kanye West as they shared a few beliefs. And just to be clear, the beliefs are that they both believe in God. Okay, there we okay. go. So just yep. to nix any sort of like weird clickbaity rumours around. But, they did, but what Ed didn't realise was the whole time they were having that conversation, Kanye West was talking about himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Ed's there talking about our father, the Lord. And Kanye's like, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I know, with you. I, know. Basic, I am, I am, I am pretty good, actually. Do you, do you know what, Ed also worked with Paul McCartney. So uh, it might just be that Ed goes around like mopping up after Tom, just sort of oh. tidying stuff away. Damage control. Yeah, He's yeah, on yeah. damage control. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, look, the point is, they are reclusive, they're a bit grumpy, they're not in it for the glamour and the showbiz and the parties, they're not in it for the networking, they just kind of keep their heads down uh, and let their music do the talking a lot of the time, which is very apparent in this stage of their career, where The King of Limbs is released in 2011, and then we wait and five years for another Radiohead album. Well, and and because they've got that fuck you credibility, they can just, in the press, say something savage about Miley Cyrus, and just be like, what? What? Are you gonna, what? I don't care. What are yeah, you going to yeah. do? Not... not- <laughs> Say Radiohead are one of the best bands ever. As if. As Come if. On. As if. Um, their tour for the King of Limbs finished in like November 2012. Then it was just solo and side project stuff for a few years. Whilst they were on that tour, some tentative steps towards recording had been made. They stopped at Third Man Records in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, uh, which is... I think I've been there. You, you might have done. It's Jack White's record shop and studio. Um and and they recorded two tracks live to tape. I think it was probably would was would have been for Jack White's seven inch series where he gets artists to record two songs. Um, they would have been tracks that they had been trying out on the King of Limbs tour. So one of them was probably Identikit. I think that is confirmed that they did try and record Identikit in that session. Uh, and the other one was probably Full Stop or Cut a Hole, which I don't think we've interacted with. Something like that. Those recordings were shelved. Nobody has ever heard of them. Um, and then by September 2014, Tom and Phil had finished up their solo records, but weren't quite, they hadn't quite been released yet, but they were finished. They had nothing else to do on them. So Radiohead, the band, the band called Radiohead, yeah. met up at their studio in Oxford to begin new sessions with Godders, the Godman himself, Nigel Godrich. Just Kanye West. Oh, oh yeah. God. No, just, just Nigel, Nigel Godrich. Yeah. Um, those sessions, uh, they lasted a couple of months up until Christmas 2014, but they were incredibly slow to start, as we are familiar with. Don't tell uh, me. With Radiohead. They ditched it all. None of it came out. Do you know what? Like Do you know it. what? I don't think so. But and also, probably no one knows. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Yeah, we don't have loads of stuff for this. Like, obviously, you can see from the track list, because we've been trying to track this as we go, some of the songs have been kicking around for a while. So by this point, present tense is about five years old. Burn the Witch is maybe 15 years old. True Love Waits is 20 years old. Identicate and Full Stop were performed on the King of Limbs tour. That's more or less half the album. That has always been the case for Radiohead recording sessions, right? Anything and everything is up for grabs. If, if a new version of a song suddenly works, then it will be in that era, like Morning Mr. Magpie on King of Limbs. 
However, something was different for these sessions. Like, uh, Radiohead have typically worked with fully written songs, usually by Tom, and they record large amounts of material and then whittle it down to an album once it's all recorded. It's why you end up with six extra songs from In Rainbow Sessions, how you get B-sides for the previous album. Like, there were so many songs that were discarded around the OK Computer Sessions that just never made it past acoustic demo stage. An overabundance of songs. But these sessions in September 2014, that list of songs that I listed above, that's all they had. Uh, this time around, they were going to write as they were recording, finding the songs in the studio, no rehearsal time like there usually is, no playing together as a band. And so that's why it was quite a slow process to start. Uh, Johnny Greenwood at some point stated, because all of them are only asked about the progress of the next Radiohead album, that the band had changed their method of writing and recording. And he was likely referencing that there were no, that there was a dearth of fully fledged songs. But they've also got, the, they have still also got the pin board to, you know, to fall back on. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, and they do. But I think they're just trying to find a new way to make music. Perhaps not content at this point with just putting out an album because they're going to put out an album. There needs to be something interesting for them to focus on, you know? Um, and then in the new year, in, in 2015, those sessions continue in what Phil calls fits and starts. Um, Johnny goes away for a bit to record in, in, in India with Nigel. Tom contributes uh, a soundtrack to a play called Old Times. Now, Steve, what's that title doing for you? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then at some point, uh, this is the thing. Do you remember how well-researched our OK Computer episodes were and like when they recorded in each house and stuff? Yeah. At some point in 2015, yep. <laughs> wow. they spend three weeks recording at La Fabrique studio near Saint-Rémy-de-Provence in France, uh, which is a beautiful place to spend time. The south of France, and I think it was probably in summer, judging from some of the photos. That's very some of the photos. Oh, good. very unradiohead. Yeah, I can't the south them of in, France in, in summer. board shorts. Uh, I think yeah. it's radio. That feels that feels radiohead to me. I feel like okay. they go out and have wine. Oh, and yeah, like... absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, even if that does feel a little bit unradiohead, the studio that they used. Uh, it used to be a 19th century mill producing art pigment, had been used by musicians including Morrissey and Nick Cave, is just down the road from where Van Gogh voluntarily checked himself into an asylum and created some of his most enduring works, and it also houses the world's largest vinyl record collection, which is all very Radiohead. It is. The art <laughs> pigment thing, the paint thing, mm. reminds me of the, makes me think that that's influenced the album cover artwork right that's like a big blotch of stuff isn't it absolutely and stanley was with them they brought stanley donwood along with them and he worked on the artwork while they recorded as is tradition i yeah i I suppose those things remain the same like their producer the control over their environment you know it's got to be like a nice environment to record in the visual artist being there all the time and i suppose that allows them to change and push, push how they actually make the music right yeah Gives, gives them like a safety net, a, a, a comfort, a comfort blanket. Um, one thing that they also do that is both unradiohead and very radiohead mm. is that they allow someone to come into the studio and witness them recording, and they talk about the creative process and how the album was how the album was recorded so that it can be published in a written piece, which is very unradiohead. The person that they allow in is Adam Thorpe, an English poet that will be writing it for the Times Literary Supplement, 
which is very Radiohead. <laughs> also, so Radiohead. Also, just in general, Radiohead doing something not very Radiohead is very Radiohead. Is very Radiohead. <laughs> I know. But this this album to me feels very un-Radiohead and very Radiohead at the same time, but we'll yeah. get on to that yeah, when we get yeah, to the album. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I agree. It's a very un-Radiohead-y, but very Radiohead-y album. Mm, yeah, 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 just what exactly. you said, but I said it. This you time. also yeah. said it. Steve, do you want to have a go on it, mate? We're all saying it. The thing it. is about the album, it's very un-Radiohead, but therefore it's very Radiohead. Yeah, yeah, I agree, I agree. Here is Adam Thorpe's description of the studio. A sunlit suite of rooms with antique rugs, ornate fireplaces and elegant period furniture lined with books in wooden cabinets and invaded by recording equipment as if the teenage scion of a stately home has taken advantage of his parents' absence. A whiteboard shows only a list of tracks in black marker pen, starting with Daydreaming and ending with Burn the Witch. Colin points to the main console, a vast sweep of knobs, buttons and faders. This is a Neve 88R, 72 channels made in Burnley, worth about 100,000. It's analogue, like this reel-to-reel Studer. It's all about looping and layering. In the older, vaulted section, part of the floor is stone with a giant hieroglyph chiselled out. Probably Roman, Colin explains, where the milestone went. There you go. That's a description of the studio from Adam Thorpe. I think Colin knows that because he was around in Roman times. Do you think so? He's always Yeah, I think he's like, oh, I think... Probably Roman, and he's just like trying to hide. I don't know. His that he, that he's a tunic. timeless being. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <I know. laughs> he's um, like, we got away with it that time. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's Roman. I imagine. <laughs> I imagine. Yeah. Huh? Like kicking what? with his kicking with his yeah. foot with his foot. He's kicking like a spear under his desk, yeah. like slowly <laughs> nudging a spear out of the way. Um. Thorpe also describes instruments that Johnny Greenwood invented for the album. Yeah. Uh, he had a laptop connected to some machinery he had. Uh, he'd made this machinery that moved these tiny hammers in rhythm, and beneath the hammers he placed things like light bulbs, bells, yoghurt pots, <laughs> and a mini tambourine. <laughs> so he'd, he'd made his own little analogue drum machine. Very, very primitive. Um And the recording method was a little bit more primitive too, with Nigel and the band deciding to record completely on tape without the aid of any computers. They've they've always recorded onto tapes, but for things like Hail to the Thief, In Rainbows, King of Limbs, they were sorted and edited by Pro Tools as as like an assistant. And, and, And this was back to slicing with razors and keeping spools of tape all, like, marked and sorted, hanging them around the studio. Uh, and that presented them with a limitation, which is that if you wanted to record a new take of something, you had to erase the previous take. You, were, you had to either get rid or commit. It's just such... I mean, I, I like it from a, a concept, but it's also just, like, practical person to me. It's just like, yeah, but don't do that. Still keep the option <laughs> yeah. as a back. You might need it. But creativity is not a practical thing to do, you know? I don't know what those words mean. Colin said, it forces you to have to make decisions in the moment. It's very much the opposite of having your album stored on a terabyte hard drive. And it seems to have paid off because Johnny estimates that about 80% of the finished album was recorded in a two-week period during that session in the south of France, which is interesting. That stuff that Colin said about the hard drive seems like he's overcompensating that he knows loads about technology for some reason. Yeah, yeah I know. Like he he's had trying... the serial number of the technology. Yeah, he's, he's, like he's, he's like he's trying to hide something. Like... 
that would blow a lot of people's minds. Like, yeah, like he's not eternal. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like he didn't make Thea hit Earth to create the moon. Um, they debris. They had, uh, they had string players come in at various times, but uh, daydreaming was completed early in the French sessions, and Tom York said, "That's it. That's the sound of this album." And a big part of that for him was the way that Johnny Greenwood used strings, which we will touch on in a bit when we get to the song. The other 20% of the album would have been bits they'd recorded before, bits of tidying up later on in Oxford, but also putting the the bigger string arrangements and things on it. Nigel said the recording sessions for A Moonshaped Pool were a very intense experience. <laughs> the Radiohead experience. Yeah, although not necessarily in the same way that the OK Computer or the In Rainbow sessions were intense, but in more of a, more of an emotional way. Okay. Um, Ed said that one of the reasons they did absolutely no interviews around the release of A Moonshaped Pool was because they just weren't ready to talk about it at that point. He said, we were quite fragile and we needed to find our feet. Um, on the day that they recorded the strings for Burn the Witch, Nigel's dad died. Uh, Nigel describes how he, quote, literally left him on a fucking table in my house and went and recorded. Um, and then he said, it was a very, very emotional day for me. He was a string player as well, so it was one of those things where it felt like he would want me to go and just do this. Um, a few weeks after that, in August 2015, Tom York issued a statement because a paper had probably got hold of the information uh, that he and his partner Rachel had separated. Uh, he had met Rachel whilst they were at university together. Uh, because Radiohead was so private, people just assumed that they were never married. I think we touched on that. Oh, they've never been married. They had, in fact, married in, in a secret ceremony in 2003, and people just didn't know. But the statement said, Rachel and I have separated. After 23 highly creative and happy years, for various reasons, we have gone our separate ways. It's perfectly amicable and has been common knowledge for some time. Which is an interesting statement. So the sessions were during a period of great loss for at least those two people, with the rest of the band having to pick up the pieces of that a little bit. A lot of people say you can see that channeled into the album, especially in Tom's lyrics. Steve you were talking about, oh, is the Eraser a breakup album? Mm. No. But I think this is. You reckon? I think it's, so. It's sombre, but I mean, I suppose, mm, you know, it's radio. So, so, so is a lot of radio. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, if I can see, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> then, on December 25th, 2015, Radiohead gave us a little Christmas present. Uh, it took the form of a song uploaded to SoundCloud. <laughs> And it was a new Radiohead song. The first, the first new material from Radiohead in over four years. And it came with a tweet from Tom that said, Last year we were asked to write a tune for the Bond movie, Spectre. Yes, we were. It didn't work out, but became something of our own, which we love very much. As the year closes, we thought you might like to hear it. Merry Christmas. It's called Spectre.
get to the song let's do a little bit of background yeah yeah it had been rumoured that Radiohead rumoured he's doing Roman <laughs> did I say rumoured did I rumined. say rumoured I'll edit it, it been out I'll edit it out I edit out all mistakes I ever make yeah and that's a privilege as the editor <laughs> <laughs> hang on you kept your score for a uh, for a uh, journal for play club that's good no, that's good that's, no, that's good. good it's almost worth keeping this bit but yeah. no um <laughs> It had been rumoured. <laughs> wow. Okay. No. <laughs> okay. I guess no. I'm just going to not get it. <laughs> no. Uh. Say there had been whispers of. Okay. There had been whispered of. Uh, right. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> it had been rumoured that Radiohead would be providing the next Bond theme for most of 2015. And betting on it was actually suspended when someone put 15 grand on them at 10 to 1 odds right. at William Hill. So then they, they suspended it, suspecting insider information. And then <gasps> the bond. Sam Smith song came out in September 2015. And the film was released in October 2015. And then a couple of months later, we get this with not a lot of explanation. And explanations have been pieced together over the years. Sam Mendes directed Skyfall and Spectre. The incredible success of Skyfall, highest grossing Bond film, gave him some kind of weight. And Daniel Craig is obviously kind of custodian of of the character. He's perhaps the most involved in the production of the films of all the actors who have actually portrayed Bond. He's a producer on No Time to Die. He is, yeah, yeah, exactly. And do you know what Sam Mendes and Daniel Craig also have in common? They like... Sam Smith. Yeah. Huge Radiohead fans. Oh, nearly. So Radiohead meet with Sam Mendes and Daniel Craig and agree to provide the next Bond theme. Uh, the song they turn in is Big Boots. That song that we saw them trying to record in Meeting People is Easy for the 90s Avengers spy film. It was always kind of a tribute to Bond themes anyway, and it was now renamed to Man of War. Uh, and the creative team at Bond as well as Daniel Craig and Sam Mendes, they loved the song. Wait, but that song had been used in The Avengers. No, no. Had it? No, no it the, wasn't used. The recording was abandoned and it's just been, it's on okay. the pinboard. It's where it is. That's, that's where it is, Lucas. 
the producers, even though everyone loved it, realised that because the song wasn't written specifically for the film, it was ineligible for an Academy Award nomination. So they turned it down. They said, no, thank you. Um, and that, that process took a little while. But then Radiohead said, OK, well, we'll do another one. And they stopped recording A Moonshaped Pool to write and record Spectre. And then when they turned in the song Spectre, it was too late. And the producers had already started down the road with Sam Smith. Uh, um, would have been nice to give him a call and be like, oh, just definitely. Yeah, just, just by the way. Uh, Sam Mendes and Daniel Craig liked the song Spectre so much that they were trying to find other places in the film to put it. Yeah. But wanted to play it in full with the vocals, <laughs> which ultimately they just couldn't make work as the vocals were like too distracting to use it as like score for something. They for should a have scene. just had a bit when James Bond turns into a musical. Like, get- Gets home and puts yeah. on and a just, song and just sits puts, down. <laughs> puts on his and he puts on his Sony, you know, yeah. XM twenty. You know, they really show the logo. Yeah. Has a Heineken. He has a Heineken. Yeah, yeah. sits yeah. there, has a Heineken, and just enjoys his. And like halfway through the song, he checks his Omega watch. Yeah. They use it. It's a good opportunity to get a lot of branding in. Three and a half and minutes. Just, of him just maybe, sitting. maybe maybe he's doing a bit of research. He's having, he's like looking up some spy shit. So he's yeah, like yeah, hacking yeah. or whatever. And so he's on his Vio laptop and he's doing some. He's doing some work. He's not just sat there, but he's doing some work. But the whole time, headphones are on. He's listening to Spectre. He could also oh, yeah, just like be it. on a mission. In, Which is I a weird know. coincidence that the song he's listening to is called, like, the shady organisation that he's investigating <laughs> yeah, in that film. Yeah. Yeah, that's why he put it on. He googled Spotify for the word Spectre. <laughs> yeah. I was like, because this will be, be appropriate. <laughs> Look, it's a massive wasted opportunity, in my opinion, uh, and I think that that was also felt throughout the core production team of the Bond franchise. There is a documentary on Amazon Prime called The Sound of 007, right? It's feature length, and it charts the history of Bond themes. There's interviews with Tina Turner, Garbage, Billie Eilish, Paul McCartney, and the people who made the films. And there is a longish section on Radiohead's theme for Spectre that includes an interview with Daniel Craig absolutely fanboying over radiohead saying that just getting just just like sitting in the same room as them was amazing and that he still plays that song all the time and then there is maybe five seconds where someone goes oh and sam smith did the actual theme and that's it it doesn't that's get great. any more coverage it's because the writing on the wall is dog shit yeah it's bad it is bad i love the idea of him playing spectre all the time but he's going around the, going around the house with with, a, with the, a fake like, gun with his fingers <laughs> like hiding behind doors <laughs> Well, no, he's doing a Bond intro, so he'll be being very floaty. His wife will get naked and like do dances Rose, in shadow and yeah. all this sort of thing. Yeah. Very Bond entry. Yeah. That's, that's Rachel Vice, isn't it? What a couple! By oh, the way, wow. Daniel that's Craig sex, and Rachel that's Vice. A sexy what a good-looking couple of people. But you know, Sam Mendes, Daniel Craig, Paul McCartney, Miley Cyrus, Kanye West. Just to draw on those that we've talked about today, it's a reminder that creative people love Radiohead. And it, it also reminded me that, that Tom York was asked personally by Edward Norton, Brad Pitt and David Fincher to do the score for Fight Club and turned that down as well. So, like, I've heard them describe a meeting where they were just like, please, please. And that, so there's obviously something in Radiohead that creative people just really respond to. They're kind of an artist's artist, if you kind of see what that is. Yeah. Yeah. To go into the actual song of Spectre, what do we actually think of it as a Bond theme if this had been used? Oh, I think it's brilliant. I think it's great. I think it's absolutely great, yeah. It's, it's so cinematic. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I think it's brilliant. I could do with like 15% more Bond. 
It's a little bit more... It's quite bondy, though. It is quite bond. The strings are quite bondy. Do you know what I think the main thing might be? Mm. You, as is often the case with Radiohead songs, no idea what he's saying a lot of the time. Right, okay. A lot of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Bond themes are so overt with their lyrics. They're so, you know, very like singing about the, the, the film or the theme of the film, whatever. And yeah. you're normally so like, you know what they're singing about because it's, oh, it's golden night, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, that sure. Having him just kind of going, <laughs> I mean, he says the name of the film. He says the name of the, Spectre. Yeah. he says the name of the film more than um, the Casino Royale one. Uh, or, yeah. or writing on the wall. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, 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 I could have done for just a little bit, like a, a little bit more. I mean, it's still great. It's still great. It's better, again, and it's better than the writing on the wall, which is, as we said, dog shit. Yeah. <laughs> I showed it to Hannah. Hannah was in my in the room with me when I was doing my notes for this, and I was like, "This is supposed to be a Bond theme. What do you think?" And she was like, "Yeah, it's really depressing." Yeah, it is. It is. It's <laughs> way. It's, it's slightly too dark for a Bond theme, isn't it? It's but but it's like okay. So firstly, it, 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 the shades of a moonshaped pool. It reminds me of Pyramid Song. Uh, mm-hmm. It's very of this era, but it also feels very classic Radiohead. Lucas, the string, the strings are incredible. Oh, like, string is <laughs> great. It's great. His, his voice is amazing, and and I get that you can't immediately hear what he's saying with repeated listens. And I know you don't, you're not one to do this, but if you do drill into the lyrics, if you do try and understand what he's saying, they are like dark and classic, oblique Radiohead, but they are also totally in keeping with the theme of the movie, and they are as close as you would expect Radiohead to go to doing like a Bond theme. Well, we said this when we did Billy, is do the bands get told, if not the plot, yeah. some key yes, they do. themes? Yeah, some right? details. Because we talked, about, we talked about the Billie Eilish one, they talk about your blood a lot, which obviously the plot of that film is around... Nanobots in your blood. Your blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm lost, I'm a ghost, fits with where Bond is uh, in his story, and it's a pun on Spectre as well, Spectre. which is quite yeah, clever. Yeah. That's um, good. There's an excellent lyric in there which is my hunger burns a bullet hole in the spectre of my mortal soul yeah which is it sounds like a metal lyric it's metal it yeah like. no, it sounds that, no, no, it sounds like something an anime villain would say <laughs> yeah that's true or that just that one line though it takes in obsession longing a gun someone yeah. having sold their soul but then elsewhere in the song there's romance like there is in bond films the only truth that i can see is when you put your lips to me and i I think they they understand Bond and they reflect it in the song, I think. Tell you what, though, in terms of cultural impact, they probably made the right choice. This would not have topped the charts in, in the same way that, that Sam Smith's song did. Yeah, that's because people are idiots. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's too dark, it's too melancholy, it's too jazzy, right? And also I'm quite happy that they weren't attached to Spectre, which isn't great. Yes, there's also that. Yeah, I don't remember which one this is. Is this the, the one? The, it's the first the, one with Christoph Waltz. It's the one with Christoph Waltz being the main. Is it the Day of the Dead side of it. intro? Day of the Dead at yeah, the start. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and of course he was the architect of all his pain. Mm. I don't know if you remember that <laughs> as well? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no, 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 it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Huh? Is the author of all of his pain? Oh, is it not architect? You're thinking of the Matrix. I'm thinking of the Matrix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I personally would much rather have had this than yeah, just, just yeah. the reheated shite that we're sometimes fed for Bond themes. But each to their own. <laughs> I, I think it's a great <laughs> and also, Bond theme. <laughs> I've said it before. I'll say it again. We should do an episode on all the Bond themes. We're going to. We already yeah. know we're going to. Yeah, but we're not, they don't know. Over on the paywall. Yeah, they, 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 they know. know. They know. 
Um, Nigel Godrich descri- described the experience of recording Spectre as a real waste of energy. <laughs> and mm. said, oh, and they, they still work, so they still work with Nigel Godrich as well. That's great. Yeah, yeah. This is this is this yeah. is Nigel. Um, he, said, he said Nige. it caused a stop right when we were in the middle of working on a moon-shaped pool. Uh, and then Tom said the decision not to use the song was just politics, as far as I can tell. Um, Johnny said that because Radiohead were free to finish and release Spectre as they wanted, that that side of it was really positive. He said, we get to have it back and it's ours and we got to put it out. We're really, really proud of it. When asked about the song and Tom York's tweet that it was written for the film, Sam Smith replied, who's Tom York? That's that's interesting. Um, Mm. To be fair. That's real small dick energy, isn't it? (laughs) To be fair, it must be a bit tough for Sam Smith, who did the official theme, had it be the first Bond theme to get to number one in the charts, had it nominated for an Oscar, but still everybody prefers the Radiohead one. Yeah. <laughs> like, that must be It's the first one that made its number one in the charts. Yeah, it is. That is very surprising. I would have thought in the UK, most Bond themes would by default number one in the chart. Yeah, no, this is the first one. This is the first time it's happened. Um, Spectre was given Best New Music on Pitchfork when it came out, and extensive write-ups and reviews everywhere. They played it live a bunch on the cool. tour for a moon-shaped pool, which, which was cool. Someone knocked on my door, and I'm not expecting anybody, but I'm going to go check it out. Imagine we just heard a gunshot. Screaming. We said this before, like we imagine that suddenly Adam now just comes flying through that window, smashing through. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! He's like, guys, I need to take a break. Delivery driver, very confused about which address this was. All right, we ready? In March 2016, Radiohead announced a world tour. But some of the venues were so small. Lucas and I tried to get tickets for this tour. Did we? Yeah, neither of us were successful. Um, the only, I truly don't remember that. The only UK dates were three nights at the Roundhouse in May. So I, I remember that. I don't remember me trying yeah. to get tickets for it, but I'll take your word for it. Friend of the podcast, Will got two tickets and said adam do you want one and i like went yes fuck it please yeah. <laughs> why didn't he offer it to me yeah that's a good point yeah I mean, that's true i mean that's he true didn't know you but why didn't yeah, he? I'd, I'd seen his band play a number of times and he had no idea who you are <laughs> scum it's rude rude as far as I'm you don't want to meet your fans do you yeah, um true. three nights at the roundhouse and that's it he that's came insane. on the podcast he met he met me doesn't remember you though yeah but that was retrospective yeah <laughs> No, I asked him recently. No recollection. In the US, it was two nights at Madison Square Garden and another two nights at an arena in LA. And there were also some festival headline slots included. The size and nature of the tour and the fact that the tours for In Rainbows and The King of Limbs didn't start for up to a year after each album's release meant that I think loads of us assumed this was like the 2006 tour where they'd be testing new material and that meant that a new album was a long way off. Right. Then, on the 30th of April, 2016, people started receiving cards at their home. <laughs> yeah. They had a piece of abstract art on them, and then at the top, in big, bold letters, it read, We know where you live. <laughs> uh, and at the bottom, smaller, it said, Burn the Witch, next to a little embossed Kid A bear logo probably an alarming thing 
to receive if you just read the the headline. Very similar um, to when you, if you got uh, pamphlets through the door asking you to give blood that said just a big letter saying "We want your blood," which is yeah. pretty good marketing. That's pretty good. To be fair. Yeah. Um, the day after that, Radiohead's website began to fade from view. Great. I love that. That's great. How slow was it? Oh, I hope every, it was really every slow. 10 minutes it got 1% yeah, whiter. That's cool. That's <laughs> Until really cool. it was completely blank with no content on it at all. And then the day after that, on May the 1st, 2016, everything from Radiohead's website and social media page was completely gone. On social media, they deleted all previous posts and changed all of their avatars and headers and things like that to just a blank white colour. Just completely pure. Um, Stanley Donwood was involved in that and described it as creatively brilliant fun, getting rid of everything that had come before, like some evil Bond villain in a lair pressing buttons. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I bet he was cackling at the time as well. <laughs> After posting a series of videos that looked like clips from the 60s kids show Trumpton on their Instagram, Radiohead released Burn the Witch for download on May 3rd, 2016. Uh, Three days after that, on May the 6th, they released Daydreaming with a video by Paul Thomas Anderson, which was shown in some cinemas in actual 35mm projection that day. Um, Also that day, Radiohead said they had an album coming out in two days, on May the 8th for digital versions, and then June 17th for the retail version. At that point, they did not reveal the title or the track listing. We found out what it was called and what was on it when it was released. So let's talk about that. It was called A Moon-Shaped Pool, and it was released on the 8th of May 2016 at 7pm GMT. Uh, It's 11 tracks and 53 minutes long. It's produced and mixed by Nigel Godrich. The artwork is by Stanley Donwood and Dr. Chock? Who's, oh, who is that? Sinister. Uh, you character. didn't leave a pause, by the way, after you said the length. Oh, yeah. because it's a good length. Um, just a smidge. Smidge too long. Oh, what, just what, a, are we, what is it? Is just it 45's good? 50. Honestly, it depends on the album, I think. It depends on the album. I, I think 50 would have been fine. It's that three minutes. It's the three minutes. It's 53. Get rid of Burn the Witch, then. Yeah, yeah. Get rid of Burn the Witch. Just get rid of Burn the Witch. Yeah, Pointless. Yeah, get rid of Bollocks. As you're aware, On this podcast, we're trying to find the answer to time's oldest question. What is music? To do this, we're going to explore every artist that has ever recorded music. This is going to take a while. But if you'd like to get ahead of us a bit, you could start at Spud Davenport's latest album, Songs for the Cynical. It features the brand new singles, You'd Love Me Now If You Knew Me Then, Enjoy Every Sandwich, and an old-style Tom Waits-ish version of a Van Halen classic, Hot for Teacher. Spud says their mission is making music that puts a happy face on bad times, and that sounds like a great mission. The album's got something for everyone. Upbeat pop rock numbers, songs with a real emotional core, and it's catchy. It's got energy and travels its way across many different influences and moods. You can... Hear one of those moods now. Let's have a little listen. I had a good job wiping kids. I was an honest man. But some things happen we may never understand. You'd 
And we haven't even mentioned Spud's clever, satirical, and, as the album name suggests, cynical songwriting, all about the state of the times we're living in. It's fun, varied, relevant, and out now. So if you'd like to get a little closer to finding the answer to the question, what is music? Spud Davenport's Songs for the Cynical is available everywhere you buy and stream your music. When he goes to singles bars, this little voice inside his head wants to scream out, yeah, you'd love me now if you knew me then. Uh, that's interesting. I The fact that you say they just released Burn the Witch, I remember Burn the Witch and loving it and then being like... This was a day one album for me, being like, oh, yeah, this the new Radiohead album's coming out. Mm. Amazing. I'm going to listen to it. Uh, I thought Daydreaming was also a song I'd heard, but obviously not. I, I, oh. I, I misremembered that. I thought that I'd heard Burn the Witch and Daydreaming, and then the album came out. But, that is uh, how it happened. Yeah. Oh, you just said they did Burn the Witch, and then two days later the album came out. No, nope, I nope. said they did Burn the Witch. Then they released Daydreaming with a video by Paul Thomas Anderson, which was shown in some cinemas in 35 mil that day. Also that Look. day, Radiohead said they had an album coming out in two days on May 8th for digital versions and June 17th for retail. At that point, they did not reveal the title or the track listing. We found out what it was called <laughs> and, and what was on it as when it was released. That's what I said. Look, oh, uh, well, I missed a little... There's a bit of information there that I missed. That's cool, that's cool. Was, and that makes sense. It was the whole bit the video. you wanted to know about. And when we get to the, vid- when we get to the song, the video, make- yeah, yeah. The bit of information but, uh, was, was that you missed, was it that three days after that, on the 6th, they released Daydreaming with a video by Paul Thomas Haddisher, which was shown in some cinemas in 35 mil that day. Also, that day, Radiohead said they had an album coming out in two days on May. It's that little bit there. I can yeah, guarantee, I can guarantee in that moment of time, you were, you were playing the music video through your mind going, yeah. <laughs> That's good. Oh, yeah. No, it's Daydreaming. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember this was this album was definitely a. I'd heard the Burn the Witch and Daydreaming, and was like, these are good songs. I'm looking forward to the new Radiohead album because I'm on at this point. I'm you're on board. I'm on. I'm on board. You're well, on I'm board. on board, but not for anything older than yeah, yeah. Rainbows. Won't go yeah, back. Yeah. I hadn't gone. Still hadn't gone back. Strictly in the present. Still Tense. hasn't gone back. Uh, worth noting the album dedicated to Vic Godrich, Nigel's dad, and Scott Johnson, the drum technician killed in the stage collapse on the King of Limbs tour, which is That's a nice, nice touch. Yeah, it's a nice touch. Let's talk about the artwork very yeah. briefly. What do we think I've of the artwork? got it up in front of me already. I've oh, already got it up. so prepared. That's yep. what you were doing right. when you weren't listening to me talking about daydreaming. <laughs> <laughs> He's a professional now. Uh, it looks like a face. Uh, okay, see a that's face? interesting. Do you guys see a face? That is very I interesting. I do not see a face. I see a moon-shaped pool, maybe. I, well, yeah, I, I, I literally see like a, a body of water on the surface of the moon. Um, but, you know, people see the a face on the moon, so what are you going to do? It's one of their more literal pieces of artwork, I think. So to the to the right of the image mm. is is the left ear sort right. of sticking out there. Okay. Stage left. And then there's, I don't like stage, you know it confuses me. I know. Me. And then sort of the little like blotchy stuff at the bottom, I almost see it as like a scar. Sorry, is that is that stage bottom or the, the normal Shut bottom? Up. Stage bottom. And then there's like a, yeah, and then the top almost looks like flicks that was of my hair. That was my nickname in university. I don't know, I think, I think, I actually, there, there is, there is such a face here that I'm seeing. There's the ear, I can see like hair, I can see a, uh, an eye. Okay, it's Adam. That's Adam, cool, is, man. Adam, is this the most that Lucas has ever considered art? Yeah, for sure. It's great. great. I love this. It, but it's just he can see I, a face. <laughs> just a movie. I was going to see it. I was going. I was going to send you a TikTok earlier. as about a guy who was like, "I hate modern art. It's also pointless." So I, 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 I seen snuck it. a bit. Yeah, I snuck great. a bit of something and stuck it on the wall of the of the uh, the Tate Modern yeah, because yeah. I want to see people 
act like it means something when it's just a load of shit I made. And everyone in the comments are like, you've made modern art by doing this because the meaning behind all of this is all that stuff you've just got into (laughs) makes it, gives it value. And and everyone's like, you've made modern art by accident. (laughs) He he stuck it next to the urinal. uh, And the urinal, that piece of art, is making exactly the same point that the piece that he made was making. (laughs) Is that like anything can be art. Right. I really like this artwork. Um, Stanley Donwood wanted to do something a little bit more abstract, which he felt would fit more with it's the music. Abstract, it's just a face. It's just a he, face. <laughs> he had he had uh, he he had speakers in the barn where he worked in the in the south of France that were feeding live audio from the studio so that he could work while the band did. Um, and he also wanted to create something that was a product of chance. Uh, and he initially wanted to create what he called a painting Dalek, which was mm. a robot that would squirt paint onto the canvas for him, oh, and he wouldn't sexy. quite know. Yeah, it's very it's sexy. Like the rainbow sexy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it didn't work. Uh, w- w- what he initially, uh, what he eventually settled on was painting onto the canvas, applying the paint, and then letting the weather and natural elements dictate the final painting. So he would put the paint on the canvas and then subject them to the wind, the rain, the sun in the south of France. And then he and Tom, uh, which is Dr. Chalk, by the way, uh, manipulated them further in Photoshop. Like you can see that the gaps in the painting are mm. not, they're not gaps in the canvas and they're not, they're not clean canvas. They are pure digital white, which I, which I quite like. Um, is it the titular moon-shaped pool? Do we think? I, I've, I, I never saw that. I saw it's paint on water, like it's it's mm. all like it's it's like you put oil on top of it, you know, it floats, and also it's it's a face. And what could you call a body of water if you were so inclined? Lake, a po- okay, uh, a, ri- a river, yeah, yeah, the, the sea. sea. <laughs> I from <laughs> the from the, the title, I I don't get a bath. I don't get literally mm. like a, a swimming pool in a crescent moon shape. I no, no, get no, no, no. the image of a moon reflected in a puddle, uh, or or like, well, or, or a lake on the moon. Which well, which guys, there what, might be. what shape is yeah. the aforementioned moon? Because it takes many. Heart is shaped. it full moon? Heart is it crescent? Is it waxing gibbous? Is it waning gibbous? Well, guys, is it half guys, guys, moon? guys, guys, guys? The shape of the moon is is a sphere, right? Disagree. Well, Slight, slightly, but not bit imperfect, isn't it? It's, it's imperfect, but but it's a sphere. Uh, I, I've got no idea what the title "a moon-shaped pool" means. By the way, it's very pretty, pretty, and it's it's very evocative. But uh, is Earth a moon-shaped pool because it's covered in water? Yeah, it's flat. <laughs> Moon's it's flat, flat as well. Okay, fine. Flat moon. There's it some... gets the edge, and there's ice that surrounds it. There's some stuff about the earth and nature on this album that maybe vibes with my idea that uh, a moon-shaped pool is earth because it's covered in water, but it's pretty weak, guys. <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> weak. <laughs> um, but it's also lyrics from Identikit. Um, a moon-shaped pool, mm. dancing clothes won't let me in, and now I know it's never going to be me, uh, is, the, is the lyrics. Don't know what that means either. Okay. <laughs> but what, yeah, but what is... <laughs> But what what is the album about? What does the album sound like? What does the album feel like to you? The album feels uh, uh, burn the witch and then real sad. Mm. That's what it feels like and sounds like to me. It's it's sad. It's gentle. It feels like all the edges are sanded off, and it's um, it's it's nice. 
it's like it's like a nice slow sonic experience nice is the word nice is the word i use as well it's not like i like this album very little of it is like that mind-blowing radio head that a lot of albums have got not every song yeah. but plenty of yeah. it's just a bunch of nice songs they've done largely there's very there's a lot there's like less electronics there's less Beats, There's so so bloops. much electronic stuff on this album. Yeah, but it's used in more like gentle well, ways. The, the whole not... album is very subtle. And yeah, it's very yeah. restrained. There's a lot less bleeps and bloops, bleeps yeah, and bloops, yeah. and shuffle drums and clickety clacks. A lot less of that than usual. Guys, it's it's ambient. It's ambient. It's, it's it... a real ambient album, but it has more of a leaning towards actual songs than the king of limbs yeah. does although yeah. a lot a lot of it sounds like the second half of king of limbs the half that we really liked i think is i think is what it was isn't it the half i like less i, I don't know i don't know i found it um hard to distinguish between songs more on this but i don't think that's a bad thing because it really this album lives and breathes on it being an album which is very interesting because i do know the fact you know the whole alphabetical thing and and the way they got those songs together uh from what i understand put it in alphabetical worked tick um yeah but um but it, it seems to flow incredibly well and i think that it, it's it's topped and tailed by these two songs but the, the stuff in the middle it sounds like a negative thing i'm saying about it but it all kind of merges into one and that is it it, it really like it's not just a bunch of songs i know lucas didn't mean it's just a bunch of songs bunch of nice songs a bunch of bloody b-sides just like a nice it's, long it's, yeah. Journey. It's it's yeah. it's, it's a piece. Yes. Yeah, it's a piece. I've it's used the piece. word journey later on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What's it about though? Like, Moon, uh, d- 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 does that does that journey <laughs> feed into you know come from the themes or feed into the themes at all? It's a lot more personal. There's a lot less like the government are out. Yeah, for us, yeah. especially some of that, you know, though, like, no. obviously like true love waits, which we'll get to at the end. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah it feels more personal and subtle. Subtle's a really good word for this album, actually. Yeah. yeah, 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 and I said it first. I know Adam said it a minute. I know ago. he did, I but it, I'm going with Lucas said it. Okay, fine, fine, yeah. good one. Uh, for me, it's about loss and grief and love and depression and death. I think it's probably the saddest Radiohead album. Oh, it's definitely the saddest Radiohead Which, album. I mean, some fucking stiff competition, though, isn't it? Radiohead and it's funny, album. It's funny, and and it's, funny you, it's funny you say it's about loss and grief and stuff, and yet uh, I didn't think about that, considering that when this album came out, I was still very much in a bit of a grief hole. Mm. But you don't focus on lyrics, necessarily. So this might have just been, you know what, I'm going to put on a nice ambient album that's going to wash a little bit over me. Well, and this, and this one, it's an interesting one, this one, because I do wonder if... I hadn't heard a Moonshaped Pool before. If this would be one of the ones where, with only two, three weeks to listen to it, as yes, we do for this podcast, yes. I'd be a bit more like, "It's fine. I it's can't a bit, get into it. It's yeah. taking a long time to get into it. It's a lot. It's a bit, you know, one no, and there's a few highlights, but you know, my usual thing. But because I listened to this at launch, at launch, the launch would have listened yeah. to it alone. <laughs> launch, you get the day one edition, yeah, yeah. Midnight they launch a bunch of stuff yeah. into it later that I didn't like. <laughs> I got the deluxe edition. I got an extra like mission where you get to like. You do get an extra mission in the deluxe edition. We'll we'll, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, amazing. I uh, and and I've like listened to it, you know, sporadically throughout the years, and so I've got that familiarity bit, and so maybe I'm a bit more like. And what is not- that right? Because because in rainbows was so immediate for all of us, I think. Um, and kid A took a couple of years for me. 
Um, and it's steadily gone up for Steve and Lucas. You're kind of more on the respect side of it than you are on the love side of it. But this album also took a couple of years for me. And this is nowhere near as drastic as Kid A, right? It's not like you suddenly go like, whoa, what the fuck are they doing? Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So what is it about this album, do you think? I don't know, because this is the first time... how subtle it is. This is my first experience yeah. with The Moonshaped Pool. I'd heard Burn the Witch. That's it. You'd not heard Daydreaming? Well, no. There's no reason he would have heard Daydreaming, really. They released it and had a video and it was a thing and it was, like, talked about. Didn't but chart, it, but it, though, did it? You know what I mean? It's not... But I was aware of it, Adam. And you're, I a ra- you're a Radiohead fan at, the, at this point. You're three albums into Radiohead fandom. The thing I'm supposed... I do wonder how I found that out because I've not... I wouldn't have been bloody reading There's Pitchfork or anything. There's no way I didn't put it on some kind of group chat if we had a group chat back then. But, but I'll tell you what... When, or, when, or do you know what? Honestly... Front page of Reddit, probably. When Radiohead have a meeting, it makes the front page of Reddit. So I'm sure that their new yeah. single would have done as well. <laughs> um, what else is on this album? There's, there's, I, I feel like there's a lot of regret and forgiveness and heartbreak. But I get the sense that it's looking for the beauty in all of that pain. Um, and there's some political stuff on there as well. It's not, It doesn't hit you over the head with it. To, you know, stuff around climate change and groupthink. It's very Radiohead. It feels very lived in here, though. It, it doesn't feel... Sometimes on things like Kid A and OK Computer, you feel like the narrator is a bit disconnected from the things they're talking about. Lucas, you said this felt like a very deeply like personal album, and it is. You, I, I get the impression that Tom is going through these things. And I know that's the impression we got from OK Computer and Kid A and In Rainbows or whatever. But it feels like there's less distance here between the artist uh, and the subject matter. Um, what genre is it? I find this a very difficult album to describe. I think Radiohead. I think you nailed it with ambient. I think it's an it's an ambient ambient alternative rock, which is so broad. So, not, is it rock? Music? Where's the rock? Where's the rock? There's seldom much guitar Track on the album. Seven, I, my favourite one, that goes. We know that. We'll get to that, Steve. And Steve, when we get to it, can I still do the bit? Yeah, 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 like yeah, yeah, yeah. You've not said yeah. that. Okay, yes, cool. that's good because that'll be in the next it's episode. Not, so you're right. It's not guitar music, really, but there are lots of guitars on it. Um, but, but Radiohead haven't done guitar music since, well, I guess, The Hell to the Thief. In Rainbows, though. It's kind of guitar. Yeah, it's, it's like a rock yeah, I album. Guess, I would yeah, say I this guess, is a rock album. Open chord song. Yeah. Open pick is what it's called. Open pick. Well, Jigsaw Four Place is what it's called, yeah. Yeah. Also, Adam Milligan, you said it's very Radiohead, and Mm. it is, because it is. Mm. But also, it's very not Radiohead, because (laughs) it is lacking a lot of things that I associate with Radiohead, which is like shuffly drums and bleeps and bloops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff like that. Not much of that. Covered in that. Just like some of the ways that it's made, it's very Radiohead and very un-Radiohead. Strings. Radiohead love strings. They they've always used strings as far back as as the bends. The way that they're used here is not very Radiohead. Yes, it's very upfront, yes. and these are the big, pretty melodic strings. Very ornate. They are yeah. not for texture. They are a part of the song. They're the main part in some of the songs. Lucas, I would disagree. I think this is covered in. I think this is covered in shuffly drums and bleeps and bloops. It's just the way that they're done, like the strings, is very. It's very different because I think it's very easy to focus in on the softness of this album. That you don't hear the, but like there's like driving bass lines and there's kind of like rock bass lines. That are, there, but- there is, but but it's for me, it's like the couple of songs where that stands out. I've written in all caps. Oh, there's the shuffly drums, yeah. and it's probably 
after four minutes of the songs happened, to be fair, most yeah, of it's, it's, in, it's in the last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's. I, I think. I think the thing is that how it feels so Radiohead and unRadiohead is that it has all of the Radiohead tropes and they use them all slightly differently. Like choral sounds, they've been using for ages. Uh, exit music for a film has that like digital chorus sound. They've never used an actual choir like they have on this album. That is a real female choir. Um, the strings and the choir are the London Contemporary Orchestra, uh, which is who Johnny recorded his score for the master with, and it's all arranged by by Johnny too. Um, Johnny too. Johnny too. He's cloned himself. That's oh, what the no. machine was for. Um, feels like a blend of In Rainbows and King of Limbs for me in some ways. It's more song focused. Mm. It's more melody focused. There's more ornate parts and orchestration like there is on In Rainbows, but it retains like the ambient, loose kind of experimental nature of the King of Limbs too. Like, it feels like something new and something current. It feels like a 70s album, like a 70s singer-songwriter kind of thing. Like, those kind of, the the couple that they have the, like, acoustic, strummed, almost folk songs. I was talking about this on the Steve Bate episodes, Behind the Paywall. Um, (laughs) The Fleet Foxes albums, Crack Up and Shaw, I think are a lot like a Moonshake Pool. Yeah, I agree. And and I wonder how much of I don't know how how those songs are recorded, but I wonder how much of the 70s thing and the all of that kind of stuff is is from the fact that you said it it was so uh, analog, it's all on tape. Um the album feels very warm and I think the production feels quite uh, you might really disagree with this, but it's really mud, muddy's not the right word, but it is not clear and crisp and no. uh, yeah, bright. Yeah. It's the yeah, very yeah. opposite. Considering how pretty it is and how nice it is, it's actually quite dirgy. Uh, in some points where it, it, it feels like you need to come up for air. And, and sometimes it does that and, it's, and it really stands out. Um, but I, but now you've said about how the way they recorded it, that makes total sense. You are really rewarded by a, he- a headphone listen. Oh, like, I've got to, so many to notes. To see about where yeah. all of the ambient stuff is actually yeah. happening. It, it swims is, around is your great. fucking head. Is, is some, it's some, an incredibly yeah. mixed album, yeah, uh, which isn't something that we've said about anything really on this podcast, but this one really stands out. Um, so, Steve, you'd never heard it before. Lucas, you heard it around the time. Um, I Obviously, I'm a big Radiohead fan. I obviously heard it around the time. It it got accidentally released early on Google Play, like, for a few hours. So I downloaded a pirated copy, but much, much later that evening, when it became apparent that Spotify was not going to get the album, and I was only subscribed to Spotify. Um in retrospect, it makes sense, bearing in mind how Tom and Nigel have talked about Spotify. Tom yeah. called Spotify the last desperate fart of a dying corpse. Mm. Um, it's on there now, though, so what changed? It is. Well, the, the Money, money, money. <laughs> if you want to hear more of the sound of uh, the last desperate fart of a dying corpse, you can uh, search Steve Murphy on Spotify right now. And you yeah, can that's on there. That's music. what Tom was talking about when he mm. said that's what, that's what Spotify <laughs> yeah, was like. Yeah. Uh, the the album didn't hit Spotify until the retail release on June the seventeenth. It was available on Apple Music and Tidal and everywhere except Spotify, and also amusingly except Google Play because they leaked it early. They revoked their access yeah. to it. Which That's is also quite really funny. weird that they're <laughs> like good. that they're like we're not going to release it on Spotify because it's like because we hate it, but we're going to release it on all these platforms that are the, the same. Yeah, I know. I, d- I don't know what it. I I think that well, is it Apple Music. I don't think Apple Music was a thing then. Yeah, I think it was. Apple Music's been around been for a while. There's some conversation about Spotify having approached them uh, and having conversations with their management around making a moonshape pool the first ever album that would only be available to Spotify premium subscribers, 
Right. And I think that probably pissed Radiohead off a little bit and they didn't put it on Spotify for a little yeah. while. Um, that initial leak, the Google Play thing, was the first time we saw the title and the first time we saw the track list. And a lot of people, me included, assumed that Google Play had got the track list wrong and that it was like a placeholder yeah. because it was alphabetical. Yeah. Um, they... The story goes, they burned their sort of like playlist discs of the finished sessions in alphabetical order and it just worked. Like it just, they just went, oh yeah, that works. And then they went through their typical second guessing process of thinking, well, we can't release it in alphabetical order, can we? Yeah, because yeah. that's, that's <laughs> yeah. insane. But they landed on, hey, if it works, it works. Um, I had to download it. I sat on Brighton Beach and watched the sunset Stop for it. my first listen. That's great. It was perfect. Um, shall we start the album? Yep. Should yeah. We, should we start on track one? Yeah, no, let's which do it. Starts with a B. Let's do it alphabetically. I think. Okay, we'll do it alphabetically this week. song for 15 years for it to sound like this fair enough i will wait another yeah, 15 yeah. years for the new stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. next album could come out yeah. in 2031 yeah whenever whenever they like to be honest when we all agree like. best song on the album right no oh maybe i'm not sure about that not in my also highlight. steve we know Ooh. your favorite song on the album we've done we've done your favorite song on the album it's track, track seven, seven. Track oh, seven. Yeah. what is, is the classic rock song i think it might be my identikit which is maybe the most Basic rock song. On the album. <laughs> yeah, always the same. Um, it's, it's it's at least, if not the best, it might be the best. Oh, it's, it's it's fucking incredible. It's one of the best things in their whole career. It's but it's not one of the best things on the album, which is insane. It's <laughs> a weird insane. thing. Yeah, crazy. Hey, I like. Um, uh, it first started appearing in fragments of lyrics on their website around two thousand and three. Uh, and some phrases from the lyrics featuring the Hail to the Thief artwork, various teases over the years, various attempts to record it over the years. They just, this phrase is going to come up a lot. Do you remember when we talked about how rock bands didn't sound, sound like, like this? this? They don't usually use strings like this. this. Not like this. Um, 
I guess the closest cousin it has is Harry Patch, because that was just orchestra and voice. Yeah, but it's a weird one, isn't it? Because we only think of them as a rock band because of that they started off as a rock band. But if yeah. you were just presented with Burn the Witch and said, listen to this music, your brain wouldn't go to, oh, it's a, it's a band, it's a rock band that are doing a song that have got some strings on it. It's only that we've got this thing in our heads of Radiohead of the guys on stage with guitars. And yeah. I would assume solo artist. This is not a million miles away from Run Boy Run by Wicked. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, fair. it's, I mean, it's, it's cinematic, the way it uses it? strings is, is great because it does have cinematic and lovely. It also uses them as like rhythm. It's a rhythm instrument. Like, I, I totally agree. Yeah, I, yeah. There's a lot of dun 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 dun. Whereas normally the way I respond to strings and unsurprisingly the stuff I prefer in this song in terms of the stringage is the soaring. Yes. That more, you know, ornate as Adam said earlier. I like, uh, strings aren't an automatic win for me, clearly, because the is great. It's not like, oh, it's string time, baby. You, well, you need that as like a, a bedrock, I think, so that he can do all the ornate melodies and the counter melodies and the harmonies. I and what's the town from the Flintstones got to do with any of this? He also does that like ominous dissonant thing that he does with strings quite well, especially at the end when it builds and builds and builds and builds to its climax. Um, for, for that sound, he had some players, they, they played their stringed instruments with guitar plectrums to get that like percussive cool. plucking cool. sound. Um, they knew they wanted an orchestra for it, I think. Tom even made reference to it once. He said, oh, one day we'll do Burn the Witch when we can use an orchestra. And so this had the benefit of they knew they wanted to do that. And so it was, I mean, Johnny talks about how, like, usually by the time he gets to put strings on a song, they've got, like, every band member on it. And it's already so so full of stuff that he just does textural stuff or supporting stuff. Whereas this, it was recorded as vocals, drum machine, and bass, that, like, fuzz bass you can hear. And that was it. So Johnny was just free to fill the rest of the space with strings, which he absolutely did. Yep. And all of it sounds great. It sounds very grand and dramatic in a way that Radiohead don't often fully lean into. Yeah, It feels very Radiohead. It feels very un-Radiohead. It's a bit Muse because of mm. the grand stringness, the falsetto, the dr- dramatic sort of chorus to it. Um it feels like down is the new up was maybe a prototype for this in some ways the 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 big the big strings on that what do we think of it as the opening track it doesn't set the tone yeah it is it is it it almost and maybe it's just because i know it's the single and all the rest of it but it almost does have that thing of like we talked about it with i know weird reference to pull from but when we talked about simulation theory that they they did dig down all that time long before the album yeah and so they had to stick it on the album, even though it wasn't really in keeping with the album. Right. Okay. This almost feels like that a little bit where it's probably, maybe it's because I know it's the single, but it's like burn the witch at the start and then all the rest of the album that's more in keeping with each other. Yeah, maybe. Um, I think, I, I don't know if it sets the tone. No. But it sets, it sets something. It, it feels weird to call this the strings album. But seven of the 11 songs feature orchestration, whether it's strings or choir or both, which yeah. is way more than half. So the fact that it opens with a song that is all strings... is great. Yeah, it, it does feel appropriate. And it's also... It's quite a rush of energy, I think, yeah. with that very, very big chorus. Um, what do you think it's about? Burn the Witch. 
I mean, it's like it's about witch hunts. It's it's incredibly creepy. I mean, it is. It's literally got about the red X's on the doors and stuff. I haven't got the lyrics up, but um, red crosses. It, the nursery rhyme stuff makes it creepier. You've got the uh, singer song a sixpence of you know is from from a yeah, yeah. rye four and twenty blackbirds. Basement. It doesn't that song end with someone getting their nose pecked off anyway. Um, it, but also, it, it, I, I, all that weird, creepy you say, like nursery rhyme, like, it is impossible for me to not pitch the music video when I hear this that's song. exactly what, what I was going to say yes. next, is that that just works really well. And it's similar to the bagpuss stuff he did, right? With the, the, yes, the, exactly. the creepy king on the cold. The bony throne. king of nowhere. That's it. Yeah. But yeah, the music video is something else, isn't it? Uh, oh, man, yeah. I can't wait to cover it. It's one of my favorite music videos of all time. To, uh, to, just to so the listeners that haven't seen it, it is... Uh, it's it's like the '60s TV show Trumpton, but they reenact the Wicker Man. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's like Trumpton it's or Candlewick Green or something <laughs> like that. That kind of very, very cute, um, like little expressionless dolls that don't have moving mouths. They're just like little wooden, you know. Yeah, nothing. like Postman Pat. Postman Pat also looks like that, right? It's it's actually a very literal sort of music video for the song that it is. Yeah, and they fucking like put them in a cage and burn them, and all the little villagers are like, well, "He's in a big so wicker man, weird. isn't he? Didn't they put him in a proper it's... big wicker man?" Yeah. Oh, maybe you're right. It's so it's so good. The opening line of of the song, "Stay in the shadows, cheer at the gallows." This is a roundup. To me, that's talking about that kind of keep your head down and revel in others being punished as long as it doesn't reach you. Mm. Um, just like when the song was written, very Hail to the Thief adjacent, which was their angry political album. This feels kind yeah. of angry and political in a way that a lot of the stuff on this album doesn't. Album doesn't, which is yeah. almost another reason why it is, is a little bit not in keeping with the rest of the album, because this is a bit more political. Well, even I, me, Plebman, <laughs> Mr. Plebman. Johnny the Pleb, yeah. the Pleb himself, yeah. was like, oh yeah, it's about witch hunts and stuff, and that's very like, or, you know, you could, you could use that now. It's about culture wars that, that cunts create trans people in sports that's now the current one that everyone's decided is for some reason something that mm. is a problem and it's just culture wars it, it, it it's a timeless vibe that vibe of the angry mob descending upon the perceived wrongdoers with like questionable evidence or a lack of evidence that's summed up perfectly in the line burn the witch and it's followed up by the very menacing we know where you live <laughs> you <laughs> cannot escape uh, and there's lyrics in there about abandon all reason, avoid all eye contact, do not react, shoot the messengers. Um, so, so some of the lyrics on, on this album in general, some of Tom's lyrics are quite direct. They are less obscured than they have been in the past. Um, Tom Tom talked about this and just kind of said that sometimes there is no other way to say something. He was worried about cliches. Later on in the album, we'll see lyrics like the river has run dry and the system is a lie. He thought about rewriting them in order to make them more oblique. And he also was a little bit worried that political statements kind of alienate some listeners. Uh, and he eventually landed on, why hide it? The system is a lie, so just say that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think the directness helps very much on this song. Uh, but also on, on the tracks where the compositions are more loose and they kind of float around. The lyrics are there to ground the songs a little bit. And it's uh, you know it's 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 spread out across the record rather than eleven songs of very blunt lyrics. But I do agree that this one slightly doesn't fit. On the other hand, if you're gonna have a song that doesn't fit on your album, make it fuck. Yeah, and yeah, this make one it burn, make it burn the witch. This one absolutely fucks. What's the word? An actual like form thing that I love in this song is here's obviously he's doing the. 
that. Not bad. And then, and then the second one he does in any given chorus, he pronounces the word burn differently. And I can't describe oh, what it is specifically I it was a like different word. It. I never looked it up. I thought it was burn the witch, the witch, and then... It's still burn the witch, oh, We know right? where you live. It's, it's burn the witch, burn the witch, we know where yeah, you live. Yeah, but he oh. kind of goes, burn the witch, and then the second one is... It's kind of like, yeah, it's great. <laughs> I love it. I think mean, it's something about his particular, like, tone of that second burn is... <laughs> after, after we've done the moon shaped pool episodes we're going to watch a commentary from the tour okay how do you think they play burn the witch live johnny's invented <laughs> oh. a robot that plays oh. at, uh, well okay either they have strings which i they, doubt. they do I not doubt have, they have strings, strings so uh johnny is doing some kind of business and he's looping it and something. Like I'm not going to tell you. We're going to find it's out when Johnny. we do it. It's Johnny adjacent for sure. <laughs> Who's Jason? Yeah, Johnny or Jason? Jo- Johnny or Jason? It's Johnny or Jason for sure. Johnny it's and probably his more Jason. likely Johnny because he's in the band. Yeah, I agree. One hundred percent chance of yeah, it being yeah, Johnny. But on over that Jason. tour, they were supported by Jason Derulo, weren't they? Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's why I was asking because halfway through. Burn the Witch, you can just hear Jason Delulo in the live version. Yeah, yeah. He just sings his own name he has to over say it. His name, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. He has to. He has to. Um, I love that it's alphabetical order. So easy, it's so easy for me to remember what the track list is. But also, <laughs> I've got it right in front of me. There's three Ds, though. So, I mean, like, are they even alphabetical order of the. Oh, they are! <laughs> even the. <laughs> The, the the D's are in alphabetical order. He loves I like it. that because I like it because it's efficient. <laughs> he loves it. <laughs> you know what, guys? As a little change of pace, I'm going to stop it there. Yeah, but I'm not going to stop it completely. I got a couple of things. Oh, I yeah, 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 yeah. Firstly, I want to ask you if what we've heard so far is music. If we've heard any music, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> if we've heard music, no. Not in the last hour, okay. we haven't heard music. Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. that's very interesting. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Mm. We're 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 on board. Oh, yeah. What about an email? Can I can I read an email from one of our listeners? No, because yes. I don't. Because it means having to hear the fucking ramblings of our listeners. And Lucas, just, please. If you listen to this podcast, <laughs> please, look. I don't. I don't want to hear what Lucas, you have to say. I get zero I respect from Lucas. I can't you imagine you have anything valuable to offer. I owe everything to them. Well, let's see. <laughs> I let's owe my see. life to them. Let's see what Bastian Hobbs, who's a huge Muse fan, has to say. But he He's got such good opinions. Stuff. Honestly, this guy. Yeah. I, I, just, I can't wait to hear what he has to say. Hello, big mates. It's been a while. I started listening from the beginning of the Hello. season and was instantly a fan. I loved the context you brought to the music and Adam's way of listening and appreciating music has had an impact on how I do. And I've let myself explore beyond my horizons using that i can still separate lyrics from music and just like the good sound waves hitting my ear holes but my mates have started to call me an insufferable music nerds when it comes to analyzing context mm, Legend. we love him we have a mixed bag between compliments and insults for me there i reckon it's probably <laughs> wow wow I was working through the manic season when I got distracted by the Billie Eilish season. Eilish was an artist that I had brushed off as, ew, pop, for a while, because I used to be a bit of an I-only-listen-to-rock teenage wanker, and even after growing out of that, I couldn't get into her music. Your commentary and research on her life and the context of her music was an eye-opener for me, and I now listen to her music regularly alongside Muse and many others. It was a treat to have your podcast unlock an artist for me in that sense. 
I was exactly the same though. To be fair, I was a rock boy. I did not. I cast off pop singers, and also Bastian Hobbs has been listening for a while and is a great musician in his own right. Oh, sucking up to the list. Absolutely, every fucking said. day, mate. Sucky, sucky, sucky. The the the, <laughs> the context there is that we have a little Discord thing for our Patreon subscribers, of which Bastian is one of them, and we have a little mates make things thread where people post stuff they've done. And yes, their music is very good. Um. Now to the subject matter, Sebastian. The Radiohead season. <gasps> I've known songs like Creep, No Surprises, and Street Spirit for a while. Even did a cover of Street Spirit with my band for an acoustic gig, but never got myself together to listen to the rest. I've been meaning to get into Radiohead for a while, and I was hoping your pod would unlock them for me, much like it did with Billie Eilish. After finishing your episodes on The Bends, I can rest easy knowing your waffling jokes, commentary, and context will make me fall in love with Radiohead. All it took was your pod and listening to the Benz whilst grinding my smithing level in Skyrim, and I was hooked. One nerd. You do it by by doing Iron Daggers over and over and over again, and then eventually you can do Daedric Armor. So it's a good it's a good with thing to do, but it's just hours of just boring content. A little update from me. Last time I wrote in, I mentioned my band, and since then a lot has happened. We got to the finals of an up-and-coming artist contest, have released a single, are working on an EP, and might be on the Danish X Factor program this year. Mm-hmm. We're called Locksmith, spelled L-O-K-S-M-I-T-H, and the single is Invisible Cages, if you want to check it out. Sneaking in a little... Yeah, <laughs> To our listeners, <laughs> I take back what I said now. <laughs> Looking forward to getting up to date on this season and waiting for new episodes every Monday. If ever I stumble upon you lads in a pub, I'd love to share some pints and a good chat about music. The topic is great, and no doubt the company even greater. Have a good one, Bastian. Bastian, thank you very much for your email. Um, hubs, hubs, glad hubs. we unlocked Billy for some people. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, not necessarily our intention. But is also quite a gratifying thing to have happen, I suppose. Here's something great. Yeah. I'm talking to Bastion on Discord literally as we speak. Oh my god, that's <laughs> crazy. Eyes in the pod, Luke, because eyes in the pod. No, 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 I'm talking to Bastion. Block him. And that's interesting because it's like it, 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 he exists meta, in two timelines meta. at once. He just he just said lovely. <laughs> I think that brings us to the end of another episode. Thank you, listeners, so much for listening. Um, one listener I'd particularly like to shout out because, you know, people pay to have episodes dedicated yes. to them. Idiots. Yep. Absolute Stop idiots. It. This week's idiot is called James Heal. <laughs> so so thank, you for, thank you for your subscription over on Patreon. Let's not um, call them idiots. Yeah. <laughs> our next episode is out next Monday, and we're going to continue our deep dive into a moon-shaped pool. So make sure you do join us for that. Um, let us know what you think of what we've been talking about so far. You can do that by finding us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at What Is Music Pod, TikTok at What Is Music. And if you'd like to send us something a little bit longer, like Bastion did, we'll read it out on the show. We'll start a dialogue together. Come and email us, whatismusicpod at gmail.com. And if you liked what you heard here and you'd like an episode dedicated to you and you'd like to hear more of the kind of stuff that we do, head over to our Patreon page. You're going to find all kinds of extra podcast shows. We've got a Manix one. We've got a themed playlist one. We do bonus commentaries. We do bonus music discussion episodes. Um, We do ad-free episodes of this show from our entire back catalogue. We have this great Discord community. uh, And we also have advice on how to weave your own doormat. Mm. You can head to patreon.com slash whatismusicpod. Or you can follow the link in the show notes. And you'll get up to two podcast episodes every single week. 
There are other ways you can support us if you'd like to. You could buy some of our merchandise over at whatismusicpod.redbubble.com or come and send us a little one-off donation. It's coffee.com, which is ko-fi.com slash whatismusic. The best way to support us, though, is, is, is what you're doing right now, which is listening to us. You could also rate the show. You could subscribe to the show. You could share it with your Radiohead-loving friends or your Mannix-loving friends or your Muse-loving friends or your Billy-loving friends or your Waffle-loving friends. All of that stuff that all the podcasts ask you to do. We very much appreciate it. That about does it for this week. Thank you again for listening. Before you go, please. Don't bye, 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 bye. Bye, bye, bye. See you later. Bye. Goodbye. Oh.